Coming to you live from Plugin Studios in beautiful Largo, Florida, we are keeping you plugged in with episode 453 of F5 Live Refreshing Technology. This week, Microsoft and Apple present their future, their visions for the future, Twitter presents the results of their past, and Hello Games didn't present the sins of their past. This show is a proud part of the Tech Podcast Network. I'm Scott. I'm Abram. And we are here. And wherever you are and however you're accessing our show, whether it be Facebook, Twitter, uh, iTunes, the Podcast Play app in the Windows Store right now, on uh, the Google Play Podcasts, on our homes on Livestream or Stitcher, or of course on our apps, pluckitslive.com slash apps. Thank you for making us part of your day. Um, this here is F5 Live Refreshing Technology, the flagship show here on the Plunkett's Live family of content. We're live every Sunday night at about 9 o'clock uh, Eastern Time, and we run for about an hour. We talk about, you know, gadgets, gaming, internet media, kind of the news of the week, right? Uh, you can join us by going to f5live.tv slash join us. Uh, chat with us live in the studio during the show. We love to get feedback while we're going. Uh, I think Abram and I both agree it's an important part of how this works for us. So uh, we definitely would love to have you join us live. If you can't, that is okay. You can also subscribe to this and all of our other shows by going to f5live.tv and clicking the subscribe buttons on the right-hand side. There you'll find F5 Live. You'll find the Pilch Point with Abram Pilch. You will find uh, our special events feed, which includes an event uh, we just published recently from Pinellas Comic and MakerCon. Uh, you'll see First Looks, which we're about to start publishing from Roboticon. And you'll also find our new series, the new product Launchpad, uh, where the first episode was published about an hour and a half ago. And uh, you can go check that out there as well. Subscribe to that one. Uh, the first episode is really great. It's about uh, some headphones that aren't really headphones, specifically for uh, runners and bikers. So uh, you'll definitely want to check that out. Uh, the product is really good. And their Kickstarter campaign, inexpensive uh, for a great product. Anyway, so uh, those are our options. Abram, how are you doing? Great. Great. Really, uh, really busy week, but exciting times. And I'm looking forward to Halloween. So, uh, exciting. Do you have, uh, you and the family have any special plans for Halloween tomorrow? Yes, I'm taking my son trick-or-treating, uh, with the whole family, with my wife. And we have a guest from out of town coming, and we have her, her sister and her kid, a bunch of people coming and I'm going to, and Isaac, my son is going to dress up as curious George and I'm going to dress up as the man in the yellow hat. So one of my favorite things is, is, uh, family costumes. Yeah. So, you know, uh, you know, my wife's kind of left out and she's going to dress up as something else, but, <laughs> but, uh, you know, we've been talking about that, about that for a while. So, uh, so pretty cool. I got my yellow hat and my yellow tie. Um, so it'll be fun. We're, 
we have fun with that kind of stuff. So, uh, so cool. And of course, this week was huge news week, which we'll, I'm sure we'll we'll be talking about shortly. Yes. I got to go to the Microsoft event. That was fun. So uh, lots to say. So very jealous on that. I would have loved to have been at the Microsoft event, but you know, not being in New York makes that far more difficult. <laughs> oh well. I get to, to live vicariously through you being there. Uh oh. Are you still there, Abram? You have kind of frozen. So I suppose for the moment I will uh talk again. Uh yes, it was a it was a pretty cool week. I loved um I loved that we had Two of the big three uh, announced big products and kind of their visions for the future, which is going to be kind of our whole first half of the show tonight. As soon as uh, Avram's screen stops making the face that it was just making, oh, the end. That's okay. We'll uh, we'll get him back here in just a second. This has been just as a warning for everybody who is uh, who is watching uh, live. This has been a night here in the studio of kind of nothing working. <laughs> so be prepared for a night of things not quite working. Um, I don't know <laughs> if it's going to be if this is all Halloween related or what's going on, but this has been just a night of nothing working. So if you're watching live, know that weird things are going to happen. And I apologize if you're not watching live. Um, you probably won't even hear this pit this bit because we will probably have cut it out <laughs> anyway welcome back Avram. <laughs> i was just saying that it was uh it was cool that two of the big three right now you know kind of showed off their visions for the future and that that was going to be the whole top half of the show tonight yep. as soon as you had stopped making the weird face that you had frozen on <laughs> on the screen it was kind of a wonderful face not quite uh danielle level wonderful um no but it was pretty good anyway it was like the naked uh the the naked police squad where you have you know my eye was just frozen but there was some like water pouring on me or whatever (laughs) yeah no it wasn't that it was you with your excited face frozen (laughs) it was pretty good I'll, I'll screenshot it for you later. Don't Skype like that. It'll freeze that way. Exactly. I, See? I kind of saw, saw myself frozen for a second there, too. I think I know what you're talking about. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Anyway, so we're going to stop talking about the technology problems of the night and start talking about the technology good things of the week. That sounds like a plan, right? Yes. Yep. Tonight's a little different. We're doing two segments in one. First, our Nifty Gifty segment is uh, proudly powered by the Microsoft Store. We're going to talk about it here in just a second, but introducing the Surface Studio. Turn your whole desk into an artist's studio. 28-inch screen, uh, full touch, and lots of other things we'll talk about in a few minutes. We won't ruin it if you don't already know. So let's instead talk about the Xbox One S. Uh, two terabytes of storage, 4K Ultra HD streaming. You can get um, an Xbox One S starting 
at uh, $2.99 and the two terabyte is only $3.99, it's a great deal. And the thing that I wanted the most in the last generation of Xbox One was a white console and you can easily get one this time by going to f5live.tv slash Microsoft. And our Pilch Point with Abram Pilch is proudly powered by Monster Products, the headphones that are on my head right now. The Monster Elements are available in a variety of colors. In fact, five different styles for you to choose from. They are a full over-the-ear with Bluetooth and uh, a physical cable, so you can use them either way. But not everybody likes the full cup style. They have the iSports in-ear, Bluetooth, you can get wired. They've even got the Monster Blaster, a boombox, in the event that that's uh, the way you want to carry your music. Something for every style is available at f5live.tv slash monster. And I feel like we just have to throw this music in there too while we're doing it. It is technically the Pilch Point, and uh, that right there is Abram Pilch. <laughs> I love this music, and I love your reaction to it. <laughs> I need a loop of this to listen to Absolutely. I will make a loop of this for you. I will just listen to it over and over again on repeat whenever I have to do something important. I can totally appreciate that. <laughs> we were uh, we were picking music for the new series, uh, the new product Launchpad, and um, I I found we a couple of us were looking, and Terry Willingham, who is the the organizer for a lot of the events that we cover she uh she found one she's like i would like this to follow me around everywhere i go i want this <laughs> to be my personal theme music so apparently i'm getting pretty good at uh picking music that people want as their personal theme <laughs> it's definitely a talent anyway um so you had an exciting week this week yeah so i got to attend the microsoft event uh on on Wednesday in New York. Uh, that was pretty interesting. Uh, obviously, uh, uh, Microsoft announced several new things. Um, they lost in kind of the shuffle uh, of the big announcements about hardware, I think, uh, was the big announcement about the next Windows edition, yeah. uh, Windows Creator update. Yes. Um, the internal and, name of Redstone 2, if you've heard that bouncing around the internet. Now, so far, I mean, to be honest, a lot of the features are a little bit cute and gimmicky. We'll have to see how how they kind of play out in, in real life. I am eagerly hitting refresh on the uh, settings on the update menu in Windows, because if you're a Windows Insider on the fast ring, which you should be, <laughs> um, if you're willing to take a really small amount of risk that right. you might have some bugs, which I like to live on the edge. Um, <laughs> uh, the soft edge. Microsoft joke. Uh, the, the, uh, you know, there, it's supposed to come any day now, like any time now, the, the first uh, taste of creator update. So creator update is going to have uh, a few cool new features. Uh, one is uh, that they're building sort of 3D modeling and 3D drawing into paint. Uh, which you can actually download the 3D Paint right now if you're on an Insider build. 
uh, and I have downloaded it, and eh, so-so. Uh, they're going to build into other apps like PowerPoint where it's probably even more useful. Sure. Uh, I think the more interesting stuff is the, uh, the, like, you name your favorite. There's a feature where you name your, say, five or I don't know what the limit is, number of favorite people to distinguish them from, like, all the people in your contact list. Right. And then it makes it really easy to share from those with those people directly from the share charm or pin them to your taskbar where they can send you kind of weird emoji that float above your taskbar, which is which sounds like it could become very annoying very quickly. Absolutely. But, uh, but you know, I'll, you know, maybe it's not for me, <laughs> but, uh, uh, but I think the idea of like being able to easily share with a handful of people yeah. uh, is good. Um, I'd li- I'd really like to see uh, what's going on with the um, VR integration because, yeah. you know, that, that's, that to me is what's supposed to be going on is that you're supposed to be having windows hollow built into windows 10 and they didn't really talk a lot about that um unless you count the 3d stuff as hollow but it doesn't sound like it they they talked they mentioned windows holographic by kind of by name in the the short demonstration they did with the the hololens which of course we all know is windows holographic powered but what they didn't mention by it by name but did talk about the capabilities was with all the the new partners for the vr glasses yeah i think it's great that they're coming out that's another like little sidelight that just that they're going to be partners that are coming out with 299 dollar and up uh, glasses although the 299 one is probably not it's probably going to be just strict straight vr not ar right um you know, to do AR is going to, is obviously much more money. Right. So we'll have to see, but I've long believed that, um, that if Microsoft, when Microsoft allows other people to build windows, hollow hardware, which now they're, they're going to right. Right. That it's going to be done a lot cheaper than HoloLens, which is $3,000. Someone else who's good at making things for cheap, like Acer or Asus, uh, come to mind in particular uh-huh. um, will we'll bang one out for, for really cheap and it'll and it'll probably be like 90% as good as HoloLens or something like that um, I uh, if if I understand correctly the uh, the what is it is it Alcatel the the company that is making the new Blackberry that just came out um, yeah Alcatel okay that the icon, right? Yeah. It's it's Android. It's now BlackBerry, and there's a Windows Phone that just released this week, and it, from what I understand, it has the first of the, uh, the headsets. Oh, <laughs> so, you know, when you open it up to the marketplace, it always gets cheaper. So that's yeah, that's good for everybody. I always believed uh, that the Hololens was like the surface was originally where it was a more of a tech spec market challenge than anything. Um, and it appears that it was in fact a lot of that because now Microsoft is not only encouraging, but pushing <laughs> everybody to join in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think that was pretty exciting. And of course, after all of that, uh, Microsoft announced two new pieces of hardware. Um, the Surface Book with 
uh, performance base, which is not really a new piece of hardware. It's a update configuration to the existing Surface Book, right? Um, with that now is having has Nvidia uh, GTX 965 graphics, which is not the best graphics, but for a two-in-one, it's actually really great. We can talk about that more in detail in a minute. And then, of course, the Surface Studio, which is a groundbreaking new all-in-one uh, with a 28-inch, what is it, 4,500 by 3,000 yes. resolution screen uh, that is absolutely gorgeous to look at, bends back, uh, in, bends back to 20-degree angle and takes the pen so you can lean on it and write and that's who it's for it's really for creative professionals and now to draw now that that 20 degree angle um i saw a lot of confusion online about why 20 degrees it's important to note that 20 degrees is a drafters board angle this is a very specific product yes it is that's the thing that people need to understand about surface studio this. It is a very specific product for a very specific niche. Uh-huh. I don't know whether it's going to catch on with that niche, but I can't see anybody else wanting it. I mean, I could see them looking at the screen and being like, wow, that screen is cool, or I'd like to lean it back and draw. But for the pro- what you get for the money, it's not a good deal for just for the regular consumer. Right. It's This is certainly not designed uh, to be your home computer. Or, or something or your like work that. Computer, unless your work is illustration, or or like being an architect or drawing. Unless your work involves drawing with a pen on a big surface, no pun intended. Uh-huh. Uh, it's not for you. Like the screen has some innovations there. I mean, the color is great. I actually asked them, "Is it AMOLED?" And they said, "No, it just looks like it's AMOLED." Okay. Right, because the blacks are so nice, and it does. What's it called? IPSC color? No, I'm getting it wrong. Yeah, I, it does like mm-hmm. like the basically television stand, like the movie standard color. Right. Super, super beautiful color, but you know, three thousand dollars is the base model. Right. And and the for the and if you look beyond the monitor portion of the screen portion of it. The rest of it is not is not a, is the the PC itself is not impressive specs. Right. It's got a sixth generation Core i7 processor or Core i5 processor. Three thousand dollars get you Core i5 for three thousand dollars. <laughs> you know you're only getting Core i5 for your three thousand dollars, and you get a hard drive. You get a hybrid hard drive, a terabyte uh-huh. or a two terabyte hard drive, no SSD. So, uh, and and you get NVIDIA nine sixty five or nine eighty graphics which are not the latest generation of nvidia graphics so what you're paying for is you're paying for the screen yes you know you're paying for the screen and you get the computer thrown in so to speak uh you're paying for the screen you're paying for the surface pen you're paying for the the surface dial although the dial doesn't come with it unless you buy it now as a pre-order special the dial is another 99 dollars right but you're paying for the ability to use right exactly uh, which is which cool. Is, like you get the dial that you stick on it, and you can turn it, and it'll turn a color palette or whatever. I love that. Which it's, is which is the evolution. Uh, in fact, they even mentioned the brand name, which was one I thought I'd never hear specifically mentioned again. Pixel Sense, which powered the original 
surface devices, which are nothing like what we think of as a surface today. Uh, but it's flat tables. Yeah. Yeah. If you're ever, if you're ever in, uh, Las Vegas and you go by the, uh, the Tao, uh, restaurant slash club, they've got a couple of them in there and T-Mobile was really excited about the idea. They ordered a couple of them for their stores because they wanted that, that physical, to screen interaction capability that Pixel Sense gave and that Microsoft is full on taking advantage of now. Well, you know who Microsoft? I mean, let's let's be be honest here. We had this discussion. Sheree and I had Sheree Smith and I had this discussion in our office this week. Lenovo Horizon. The Lenovo's Horizon desktops, which now I think they have changed the name. It's not Horizon anymore. But Lenovo makes all-in-ones like this, and has for like three or four years now. Yep. And and theirs don't cost three thousand dollars. You can get one, I think, for under a thou. Uh, and they bend back completely flat, and they do as put on the screen like they have one with you can play air hockey, and they actually give you real air hockey um, paddles. To, to play with a virtual puck, uh, and, and they have their what's it called? It's the Horizon UI. Uh-huh. I'm trying to remember. They have the UI on top of Windows, which actually makes it better for flat tabletop, sure. flat computing because they have things where you can like lay photos out like a desk. And if I'm Lenovo, I might be like, man, they're getting Microsoft's getting all this credit for something that we. We're, we've been doing with more complexity for years and cheaper. Uh, but the good news is maybe this brings some attention to Lenovo now, to the horizon. Right. Because, because look, you it or, or putting a physical thing on the screen, you like the idea of having something that was at a, an angle. Well, ours goes completely flat. Ours, can get, ours is, is not $3,000, and we've got all kinds of family-friendly software for it. So... Uh, honestly, I hope this brings them some attention because the Lenovo Horizon stuff has been awesome, and and I get the impression that not a lot of people are buying it. So, uh, so we actually you know, at CES a couple of years ago we went to a Lenovo event specifically about this hardware. Yeah, I mean the UI is great. I think um, you know Microsoft could learn a thing from Lenovo because the the UI that they put on top of it is so friendly for tabletop. Um, Whereas the studio is does not have any kind of special UI. It's just Windows 10. Right. Um, you know, the, the dial thing is something that they added, you know. Um, but by the way, the dial feature is actually an API in Windows. So someone else could come up with a competing dial. Um, nice. You know. uh, so, and it's already in Windows as of anniversary update. So... Um, so uh, now whether the screen will recognize the dial is something that's in hardware, but you know, you can use the dial on the desk and that will work. And yeah. they claim that the dial will work with surface book and surface pro, but I, I would hazard that it will work with any windows 10 device that has Bluetooth. Cause it's just a Bluetooth device. It, uh, it will certainly do the, the full range of thing on anything that's pixel sense based. But yeah, it it won't obviously it won't do the you put it on the screen and the the menus come up around it and stuff like that. But yeah, my guess is it would work on on the the just the control aspect of it from anywhere. But I mean, because really, when you look at it, it's it's like a mouse wheel in another form. 
it's until a, you put it on the screen. The the control is called a jog shuttle. Oh. <laughs> and and you know, I, I think there have been things like this. I know there have been things like this before. So <laughs> I have the thing. I have one on my desk in my office. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I use it for editing. Everything old is new again. But yeah. I have to ask you, do you think that the Surface Book with the twenty three ninety nine Surface Book with performance base is worth it? Um, it it depends. Uh, I have personally wanted one of the uh, the extra video card based Surface Books for a little while. Uh, because they're obviously I could, you could use it as a tablet during an event and then turn it into an editing editing machine after an event. You know, it would be kind of a really nice pairing back and forth. But again, I think the, the Surface Books themselves are another product that are targeted at a specific group and are more of a of a tech spec than a we really want this to be a successful product product hmm. see it's interesting right my first reaction to i wrote an article about it this week which everyone can read on laptopmag.com uh, about the surface book and my first reaction when i heard 2399 for something that's using a last year's mid-range video card right and nvidia uh, anyone who's into uh you know, gaming can tell you that an NVIDIA GTX 965 M graphics card is not that great. Uh, it's It was a mid-range card in 2015. Now it's been replaced by the new NVIDIA Pascal series, the 1060, 1070, and 1080, which are VR-ready and much better. Uh, so, uh, I mean, in both cases, uh, let's be clear, Microsoft... Clearly, they were developing this stuff before, and they just weren't that interested in like being the latest and greatest because they're not using the latest graphics chips. And in the case of the Surface, they're not u- even using the latest CPU, KB Lake CPU, like right. they could, like everybody else is. Um, in fact, uh, I found out the reason for that. Did you know the reason why it doesn't use a KB Lake? No. They literally did not touch, did not touch, did not change the tablet. Then they they only that's why they call it the performance base. Got it. You could take a surface that you bought last year, take the tablet off, put it on the new base with a 965M, and it'll work just the same. Oh. And it's, nothing has changed. It's nothing on the tablet part has changed at all. Nothing. Not the inside. Not the CPU. Nothing. So, uh, it's almost a shame they don't just sell the the keyboard dock. Right. So. My first reaction when I heard about this, twenty three ninety nine, you're getting an outdated CPU when every other, almost every other PC now has seventh generation core processor. You're getting last year's graphics card, and you're spending twenty three ninety nine. Can't you do better than this? Um, and the answer is interesting. Yes and no, right? <laughs> the no, the yes, you can get something with much better performance than this for cheaper. You can get a laptop, a gaming laptop, or, or some even a business laptop, perhaps. Not many specifically with 965, but you can get get something approximating for less. Here's what you can't get: you can't get a two-in-one with that kind of graphics power. Right. For uh, pretty much for any in this size class, 
for pretty much for any price. Yep. There's very few two-in-ones with discrete graphics at all. Uh, and those that have it, I think the only one that has anything approximating like really good graphics is the that I know of is the ThinkPad P40 Yoga, which is like much heavier and has a workstation and has quadro graphics. So other than that, you've got things like the, I think the Latitude, not Latitude, Inspiron 17 7000 2-in-1, which has like optional like NVIDIA 940 graphics or something, like not not like really serious graphics. So, so to be honest, if you wanted a 2-in-1, no, you can't get it anywhere cheaper. Um, and the other thing about the Surface is, can you name another product that really has the Surface Book's form factor? No. Like, not exactly, right? Like, yeah. They're, in the world of, of, of hybrids, there are two-in-ones that bend back, like the Yogas. Sure. And there are two-in-ones that detach, like the Surface Pro 4. But the Surface Book is one where the base is like a real keyboard with extra stuff in it, intelligence, like a yeah. graphics, and a real, you know, and a real tablet. So... It's not like the keyboard is just some kind of flat thing that maybe balances on your, poorly on your lap like like a lot of the other things, including the Surface Pro 4 do. No, it's like a really substantial thing, that, but yet you can still take the top off uh, and use it. So there's nothing else like it, really. So that's my conclusion. If you're, <laughs> there's nothing else like it. Now, if you're not in an immediate rush, it's possible that you know, next year we hear rumors, you know, that, that there will be, that they will refresh it. Uh, but for now, there's really nothing else like it. If you want that, that like a really serious laptop that really comes apart to become a tablet and gives you discrete graphics capability, that's good enough for some gaming. Even there at 23.99, you won't actually find something else in the market to do that at any price. And certainly not one that, looks as as interesting as the surface book does because you know aesthetically it stands out from yeah. its competition <laughs> no 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 question about it it does stand out it is just is a standout device so you know it is a very expensive device but, <laughs> but it's hard to argue against it when you can't find anything similar really similar yeah absolutely um but so we've talked about Microsoft a lot. Microsoft wasn't the only one with an event this week. Uh, Apple also kind of shared their their vision for the future. Also kind of focused, the majority of their presentation also focused on the creator community, which I thought was kind of interesting. Obviously, it's the one, the, the name that Microsoft has officially given it. Uh, but, you know, Apple focused a lot of their presentation on the same group uh, with very a very different take on hardware um, they they certainly stayed true to their their public belief that a touchscreen on a laptop is never the thing which okay um, but they did kind of add a touchscreen to the new MacBook Pro by the way the touch bar I just have to say as you, I just have three words for you. Okay. Art Lebedev Studios. I need more than those three words. Do you remember? Do you remember the Art Lebedev keyboards? No. 
you you were the one who we were talking about them. They're, they're the keyboards that have been showing at CES for like ten years now. Oh, uh, they're like the fifteen hundred dollar keyboard where they have the keys are all LCD. Yes, and can light up. And also on those keyboards, there's a bar, or on some of them anyway, there's a bar yeah. above the function row that that can be customized to yeah. show any kind of digital information, including stock quotes, including custom buttons and things like that. Oh, sadness. I, I put it away. I have a, I have a Logitech keyboard that has a screen up top that's customizable, but it's not touch. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I had the name of the company had, had gotten away from me, but yes. Um, uh, ThinkGeek has a keyboard like that on their on their website. So, in other words, folks, Apple did not invent the idea of putting a touch sensitive uh, touch sensitive color strip on the top of the keyboard to give you more information. No, in fact, um, uh, Razer has a the Razer Blade system exactly switch or Switchblade Switchblade. Uh, uh, which is been around. which is on the right instead of the top, but okay. Um, and don't op- forget Lenovo with the e-ink version of it on the sure. X1 Carbon uh, sure. 2015. Um, obviously, the thing that the the thing that Apple is doing is making it um, a standard part of the operating system, which you know Razer could never get. Microsoft to incorporate this officially, you'd have to have, you know, third-party things, which means then developers have to rely on third-party things to be able to interact with it. So you know, it's not an ideal situation for for developers or you know, game studios and things like that to spend too much time interacting with a proprietary side piece. Whereas you know, no. including this directly into the operating system, making it an official thing from Apple um, certainly will mean that more people will accept it. Uh, we know that Adobe uh, is is working to incorporate it before the end of the year on um, their creative suite. Microsoft already has uh, incorporated it into Office. Um, Apple has, of course, already incorporated it into their stuff Um from from iMessage to whatever they call their premiere, I can never remember because it's not the '90s anymore. Final Cut. That's the one. Uh, uh, they they've already incorporated into that as well. So uh, it's it's an interesting idea. Um, I it... took a little offense at their their explanation for removing the function keys. Oh, those are fighting words. Those were fighting words about the it being only for a terminal from the 70s. Yeah. I, I the fact yeah. that the fact that they were very um condescending about the idea that because the keys have been around for a long time, I, I would like to point out that the keyboard itself has been around longer and yes. So it's kind of a stupid argument. You know, you just because it's old doesn't mean it's not valuable. Right. We're still driving around on wheels from the Bronze Age. No one's come up with something better. Okay. If you, the reason that the space shuttle is the size that it is is because of the width of a Roman horse. Haha. So 
I never heard that. That's cool. Uh-huh. The, the thing is, first of all, this touch thing is is cute, right? It looks nice, whatever. It's sure. pretty, but it's going to be a horror show for touch typists. Uh huh. Because and that's, there's no that's one of my first complaints. I, I brought it up no on Twitter happen, while no they were feedback. talking about it. Exactly. There's no so you have to look down. Uh huh. That's not what you want. That's not efficient. You don't yeah. want to look down. And so if you're going to look at it, why don't you just poke the screen with the touch screen then? Right. And um, one, one of the things that I, I thought was interesting is obviously they were very, again, very focused on the creator community and they showed off, you know, uh, Photoshop and a couple of other things um, that were very creator centric. That's, that's Apple's core though. Like, my Apple Apple has always been very successful, a huge dominated the market among creative professionals. That's why I really have to wonder: Is Microsoft making the inroads because Apple has has really had a stranglehold on that market on people who work as designers and work as animators and work as videographers? There's a lot, a lot of people who who just for whatever reason, like they they can't not get a Mac. Like there was it. I I know where that thing comes from. It comes from a long time ago, and it's a misconception that Macs are better at graphics. It was because Mac OS was a graphical interface while Microsoft was still making DOS. But that's more than yeah, two decades. We're going back like thirty years. Yeah, I would say that's you know? that's way more than two decades out of date at this point. Yeah, it's it, it was it was a valid argument in 1990, um, but but the tradition has remained. Yeah, um, so so the thing that I um, found interesting about these two presentations, which happened nearly back to back, you know, they were day after day, um, is the very different way that both Microsoft and Apple view the interaction that creative types are going to want because with with Apple's hardware, right, what we saw was um, uh, an interface that requires you to, to sit back, right, further from the thing so that you can see the touch bar and you can have the mouse in your hand and have access to the keyboard and still be able to see the screen and to yep. be able to have kind of a panoramic... Uh, back view of what you're working on whereas whereas Microsoft's approach with the studio was an immersive experience with your art right because yeah, even even when uh, Panos was up on stage talking he couldn't help but physically I'm if you're watching you'll be able to see me you couldn't help but watch him physically like get up into the computer and and he was leaning on it. And I think people can say all they want about uh, um, Steve Jobs' presentation style. I personally think there's nobody quite like like Panos. That guy has so much passion about what he's doing, and he obviously you can tell he's not just reading a script. He's <laughs> uh, yeah, he he likes his stuff. He likes his own stuff. Well, so. Um, it, I just, I just found, you know, the two different approaches to the same problem to be a fascinating 
situation? We're going to find out. Uh, I, I would love to actually. I've never seen the study yet whether people are actually whether creative professionals are finally giving up on Apple and moving to to these new forms of to to more pen based stuff because it makes sense, right? Well, I um, mean, a lot of, even even on the Mac, a lot of creative professionals still work on with with a pen because they use a walk because they use a Wacom. But you know, when it comes to the the thing that I and honest to God, I don't know why they don't add, make a bigger deal about this. The Surface Pen is a partnership with Wacom, as is the entire uh, uh, interface that the pen uses to communicate with the computer. All of that is Wacom's technology. Oh, I thought it was Intrigue. Um, I but, uh... the I, the first two were. Oh, okay. The the first two, and then the Surface Pro three and beyond have been a partnership with Wacom, which is why the resolution of the pen got so much better in the Pro three from the Pro two, and why the hardware changed entirely. I don't know why they don't make a bigger deal about that. You know what it is, Apple. So here's the interesting thing, right? And if you look at the pricing of the of the Max, um. Apple has a clear message to people. Apple's message is we are a premium brand. You know, they're still selling the outdated MacBook Air. And for some folks who don't want the latest thing, maybe that'll be okay for them. But let's be honest, the average selling price of a laptop in general is like $625. And that's when you include Mac in the average. For PCs, it's actually like $425. They're product their minimal product is more than twice what people the average person wants to pay so apple clearly ha- clearly wants to be a boutique brand at, on the pc in pcs anyway and they've strengthened that by not releasing a single new product this year that was below a thousand dollars in fact the minimal product new minimal new up-to-date product that people would want is the one that my boss, Mark Spoonauer, just uh, posted a review of, uh, the MacBook Pro 13-inch without touch bar, uh-huh. and that's $14.99. So clearly they're shooting for a very high-end audience, maybe someone out, maybe their business is paying for it or something like that, and, the, and expecting that other folks are either going to buy a PC or are just going to live off of an iPad. Um, which is which is a strange uh, thought. So, you know, on the other hand, where Apple has sort of decided, well, there's touch over here, and it's the mobile devices like the iPad, and there's over here we've got our PCs, and they're not touch. Um, Microsoft's taking a completely different approach. They want touch. They want two and ones. They want they want touch to be everywhere. And uh, I think that uh, the overall market is validating what Microsoft is doing. I mean, I don't always see the need to have a touchscreen on, on Windows devices, but for those who want it, for those who want pen, yeah, you know, uh, I I love the Surface Book design. Mm-hmm. I think I could see an immediate use case, you know, it's not even enough to get me to, to buy it just for that. Uh, I would, you know, I'd love to see others emulate this design, um, but I Imagine all the times we've been waiting online at CES for 45 minutes or something like that, 
and you're standing there. So you can't really be productive on a laptop when you're standing. I mean, you hold it like a pizza box or something like that. It's uh-huh. not working. But you could detach the 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 screen and write on and keep doing your writing with a pen. Uh-huh. And then as soon as you get in and sit down, stick it back in, and you don't have to to have a separate device. And then you have a full-fledged laptop with no sat, no compromise about the keyboard. Um, which is the, the important part. Which is the really key, or, or have it be off balance on your lap or anything. So, yeah, I mean, I think, I think that um, you know what Apple's doing is they're trying to pander, appeal to their existing audience of creative professionals, and really they're saying, look, we don't care about growing our audience in the PC. We're actually going to try and kind of get the people who are already Mac people, who, who are already videographers or whatever, who are into Mac to, to upgrade. Right. And everybody else, uh, there's something else that you can do what you want, but we're not going to make a product for you. It, and it explains a lot why they don't really advertise their computers. Um, but I'll, I'll tell you, knowing a lot of people in that space, I've been watching a lot of people uh, jump ship on Apple and come over to to uh, particularly to the surface brand because of that you know kind of constant even even my surface pro one that's sitting here in front of me right now i uh i took it to south florida and one of our one of the artists in our group grabbed it and grabbed the pen and just started drawing i've still got the stuff uh on here because it was so impressive i showed it to to the people at the microsoft store they're like yeah that's about that's about right yeah so uh, you know, I do I do think they're on Microsoft's on the right track. I agree, and it's and like I said, it's a very different approach to the same to the same problem to the same people, and uh, it's this it's going to be over the next like two years. It'll be interesting to see what happens to the Mac brand. So I guess can we? St- so I guess can we still call a show F five live now that Apple has eliminated the function row? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, Microsoft's the sponsor of the segment, so it's fine. <laughs> I can tell you Microsoft's not sending those function keys anywhere. They may have made them second class citizens on the Surface Pro keyboard, but they're they're still there. Yep. And very valuable too. Absolutely. Um I you had mentioned, you know, your take on on the the touch bar, uh, and I thought I thought it was interesting because you and I talked about the idea of the uh, when Microsoft said uh, that that the concept of the keyboard as it is may, you know, be on its way out, and and we talked about how in uh, the word perfect days there were little things that you could put over your IBM keyboard that you know, laid out what the keyboard did under certain circumstances. Yep. And damn it, if this isn't a digital version of that. It is, but you see the right solution, I think, in closing, the right solution is to do what the Art Lebedev Studio and the Razer Switchblade do, which is physical keys with a light-up light-up display beneath each, in each key. So you can still feel the key and touch the key, um, and you know, so you don't have to look at it. There's the, tactile the, diversity. You know, you don't have to look at it. Uh-huh. See, because if you really touch typist and you really know what you're doing, you don't need to look and see 
You don't need to know what F. You don't need it spelled out for you what F one does. Right. You know it already. Yeah. Exactly. So it's it's an interesting take, and like I said, it'll be fun to watch what happens here uh, over the next maybe two years with with the Apple brand, uh, in particular on the Mac side. Though kind of all of their sales are down this year, but it'll be interesting to see what what the Mac brand in particular does. Uh, before we go, Abram. Let them know where they can find all of uh, your content. So you can read about all this stuff, particularly my take on the Surface Book and uh, and uh, and on the air, uh, the future of the air, and my boss Mark Spoonhour's uh, review of the new MacBook Pro 13 on LaptopMag.com. And you can follow me. You can read all about all other kinds of things, including phones, on Tom'sGuide.com. And you can follow me on Twitter at @geekinchief. Well, as always, Avram, that was even better than usual, Avram. That was a great conversation, very in depth, and uh, it was a lot of fun. And Same we here. and we will uh, we will have more Pilch Point next week. This week's Extra Life on F5 Live is proudly powered by Tate Comics, a family-owned and operated comic and toy store in Lauder Hill and Boynton Beach, Florida. Lauder Hill is their flagship store. It is huge. It is unbelievable. And if you're in the area, it is worth the stop because you probably will not see anything else like this uh, anywhere. They've got lots of events. Uh, the next one is coming up uh, this this week, this coming Saturday, November 5th. Um, and you can find out about all of their events, uh, what's going on. You can even take a 3D virtual tour of the store by going to tatescomics.com. So uh, the rest of the show is going to be Pretty quick, we have some kind of smaller topics to talk about since obviously the first half of the show was the focus. A uh, bit of a spotlight show this week. Uh, anyway, so uh, we talked a couple weeks ago about No Man's Sky and the uh, trouble that they've been in for everything. And <laughs> <laughs> in particular, the fact that the game that was promised was not the game that was delivered, and the fact that gamers themselves hate it. So, this week, much to everybody's surprise, the official Twitter account for Hello Games, the developer, uh, posted, No Man's Sky was a mistake. That was all. <laughs> that was the tweet, which was a bit of a surprise. Obviously, um... Anybody whose eyes are connected to their brain could tell that that was going to be a false tweet, that something had gone wrong, uh, and not just because the account had not said anything since August, but just because, of course, no developer is going to come out and say that while they're in the process of being sued for not saying that. Uh, so that would be just... How, how fast did they delete it? So that's an interesting question. 
it did not go away right away. In fact, it stayed up for quite a while. Um, and several uh, agencies like ours reached out to the company. I, at the time, did not care enough about the story. Oh, great. A Twitter account's been hacked. That's not really a story. So I didn't try to reach out. I don't think you guys probably did either, but some did. Polygon, for example, reached out and received an email back from the founder's email address that um, expounded on the theory that the studio also hates the game. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love brutal honesty. In fact, the email said, I have contacted you because the silence from Hello Games has been unwarranted and unprofessional. The community has asked me to speak up, and I have a confession to make. The game was simply unfinished upon arrival. Our hand was forced not only by Sony, but the community as well. The constant harassment and absolute gross misconduct on the community's part has made it hard to fulfill our artistic vision. Oh, so they they couldn't take the criticism, and so they can't make a good game? Um... The, I think the, the, none of it matters because as it turns out, the email also, uh, was a hacked communication. (laughs) (laughs) Somebody, and I don't know who, somebody apparently did not have two factor authentication on their LinkedIn account. And that is where all of this came from. Uh, Somebody lost their LinkedIn account, which gave them access to be able to do something to find out, you know, the hop to hop to hop, right? And you end up uh, with the company's Twitter account in your control. (laughs) And so here we are with a bunch of seemingly official communications from the company all saying, uh, sorry, we suck. (laughs) And none of it being right. Um, Obviously, the reason why the original tweet was not taken down immediately was they had lost access to their Twitter account and they had to figure out how to get it back. And when you also have lost access to your email account, that becomes more difficult. So there is a whole internal uh, problem (laughs) that had to be solved before before they could fix everything. They did delete the tweet and... um, of course, the, the Twitter bar that they use on their website caches tweets, and so it never went away. So they pulled the Twitter bar off their website, and it was just if an overall... They spent this much time developing the game. Right? I th- and that's the <laughs> whole point. They effort into the game and did it into, into getting the tweet away. That's the whole point of this whole thing, is obviously nothing that was said is not believed by the community. Right. <laughs> Everything that was said is exactly what what gamers felt, and so it was an interesting um, exercise, I suppose, in uh, making it look like the company felt the same way as everybody else. Obviously, we don't condone hacking corporate accounts. That's not a great idea because you know, go look at the people who hacked uh, LinkedIn, who now have like thirty eight months in prison. There, yeah. You know, it's, it doesn't usually end well, so it's not a good idea. But in this case, it was kind of an interesting experiment in, in uh, pretending that the company was going to be honest about 
how everybody felt. But yeah, yeah. I don't know. Well, I just thought it was kind of an interesting story. This is a huge case of Schadenfreude. Mm-hmm. Huge. Yeah, for sure. It was. It was definitely kind of fun to watch. That's all. No big news, just an interesting story. This week's news from the tubes on F5 Live is proudly powered by Rift Tracks. Make fun of movies or, you know, let the professionals do it for you. That's what they get paid to do. The guys who used to do Mystery Science Theater 3000 are back and doing what they do best, making fun of movies from blockbusters to... I don't want to say that one because it's not fair. Uh, okay, Astro Zombies. They, I don't know. They've got a little bit of everything the way it normally works. For a couple dollars, you download the, the MP3, play it along with your DVD, Netflix, Amazon, wherever you happen to have the movie, and laugh. Of course, from time to time, they do live events. Uh, their most recent one was the other night. It was uh, Carnival of Souls everywhere uh, live on the 27th. The good news is, if you missed it, tomorrow night, uh, Halloween night, you can get an encore presentation in theaters nationwide. They've also got short films. Most of them are terrible. All of them are wonderful uh, once they're done with them. To find out what, uh, what short films are available, what movies are available, and what theaters you can see Carnival of Souls in tomorrow night, you can go to f5live.tv slash tracks with an X. That looks like Shatner. It's not. But it looks kind of like a young Shatner. Anyway, obviously, I like to pull up their homepage while I'm doing the promo to find out whatever it is they're promoing. And again, it looked like Shatner. Very weird. Anyway. Um, oh, Twitter. The company who doesn't know who they are or why they are had another hard week this week they announced earnings that uh showed 103 million dollars yeah 103 million dollars in loss on only 616 million dollars in revenue that's not a good percentage um obviously we know that twitter was trying to find somebody to buy the company and everybody who was interested seems to have backed out with possibly the exception of Disney who might be back in rumor. Um, anyway, so seeing that kind of a, that kind of a quarterly loss, not a good position for a company that's trying to convince somebody to, to buy them. So clearly they have to do something about it. The first thing that they announced was that they were going to cut 10% of their workforce again um, because this time last year they had 3,900 employees. Today they have about 3,600, and after this cut, they will lose up to another 350, so about another 10%. So they, which is about the same size that they cut last time, which was 326. So um, that I feel terrible for the people who lose their jobs in these things. I, know. I really do because you know, like that those people have not their fault and they've done, I'm sure they've all done good work. They've done what they I, can. I do have to ask though, how, what is everybody at Twitter doing? Cause the service doesn't change much from day to day. Right. It seems like about eight people could keep that place running. It doesn't sound like it's something that requires a large staff. I mean, I guess some salespeople to try and sell the sponsored tweets. Sure. 
and you know some IT some like operations people to make sure it keeps running and a handful of people since they're not really doing much of this anyway to to handle complaints and ban people and maybe like two people to to, to verify accounts or something but like they're not innovating they're not doing I, anything I to, to develop the service they did something it was called vine and they announced that they're shutting it down mm-hmm. so Honestly, to maintain a status quo where you're not really doing anything, how much, how many people do you do you need? And it's a fair question, and it's one that comes up in the industry fairly often when this kind of thing happens. When Twitter says they're going to cut 300 people, and you look, you're like, wait, you have almost 4,000 employees? How do you have almost 4,000 employees? Because, I mean, I just don't see, like... Most companies you see, like, okay, for example, if you're a publisher, like, you know, a lot of companies like Yahoo, you need people to actually write and curate and produce and whatever, support the content. Sure. On Twitter, it's all just people posting stuff. It's just, it's just a service. I know. You know, it's, it's not even like Facebook where you got a lot going on. They're constantly iterating and adding new features, except for launching a separate service in Vine. What's the new feature that Twitter has launched? A separate service in Periscope? You know, which these things haven't done that well. Like, just you know, like know. they're not. <laughs> what are they? What are they doing? The core service isn't. You know, it's an it's an SMS messaging service and feeds. Uh huh. It it shouldn't even be a business. It should be an open protocol and have have done with it. Um, they're gonna rename Moments again. There you go. They're going back to the old style. By the way, I recorded my. I signed up and recorded my first Vine this week just because it was going out of business. <laughs> I recorded a, a, a six-second eulogy to Vine. I said, just oh, like God. this, just like their six-second limit, Vine has gone way too soon. That's the. I mean, if you're only oh, if you're only that is benefit, so you. <laughs> if your only benefit of technology is to just basically be an editor and make people fit a character count uh-huh. or a second count. That's not innovation. Right. Yeah. That's called a wrap it up box. You huh. know, like, huh. I mean, just telling people like, ah, oh, you got 140 characters. Great. So all you've basically done is create a character limit. Mm-hmm. All you've basically done is create a, a, a time limit of six seconds. It sounds like a cute parlor game. It's not innovation. I, I'm totally with you. So, like you said, Vine is gone. Obviously, no real surprise when, you know, live stream has the service that we're on right now has been around forever and is kind of the place for professionals. And then Facebook Live is kind of the place for short format professional stuff. Uh, Periscope kind of had a place for consumers and kind of usurped vine, but even consumers are starting to go over to Facebook live. I, Twitter's in some trouble. They need to figure some stuff out. And I guess they think they've got a direction, but I don't know. I don't know that that's a company that'll ever have a direction until somebody else owns them who has an idea. I, I think they're just going to flounder for the rest of, their existence. Twitter is a 
future punchline joke on I Love the 2010s on oh. VH1. Yes, it is. Can you remember when we were all saying things in 140 characters? Ha ha ha. I'm telling you, it's it's like jelly bracelets or whatever they talk about. The I love the 80s, I love the 90s. Twitter is one of those things. Like, can you believe we did that? Yeah. That's what it's going to be. I've said that for the last eight years, and I've been proven wrong that it's still going strong. But I'm telling you, as a business, it makes no sense. Yeah. And the only as a thing protocol, it makes somewhat of a sense. Sure. Uh, mm. yeah. Uh, the the only kind of the only good thing that has come out of it is the mean tweet segment on Jimmy Kimmel. Yeah, <laughs> and it, it is amazing the success of it though. Twitter has become it's it's become a cultural phenomenon because people read the feeds, and for some reason, uh, celebrities and people of great import uh, use Twitter to like legitimate to to, to actually say things. Yep, it's become a big issue in. The presidential election this year which is sad what you know is is news so you know obviously they've achieved something but what but actually turning into a paying uh, business is another story yeah you can you can only have that many employees for so long when you're not actually turning enough revenue so i guess that's the the end result of that story yeah This week's DRM not included on F5 Live is proudly powered by Groove Music. Um, 40 million tracks on basically any device that you could want to use it on. You can use uh, Windows, Windows Phone, Android, iPhone, Xbox 360, Xbox One, and just in your browser. You can play ad-free music from one of the biggest catalogs on the internet, uh, play from any platform you want, and create playlists, custom radio stations, and, of course, download the music to up to three devices so that when the internet cuts out or you know, you're in the gym or something like that, you can always have your music with you. And you can sign up for a free 30-day trial right now by going to f5live.tv groove. So we talked about Apple a little bit earlier uh, and their presentation. But one of the things that we didn't talk about from the presentation was their Apple TV uh, announcement, which was not the Apple TV that you're thinking. It's an app called TV because, I guess, who cares about branding, right? Um, So... The idea is that it brings all of the content from your different streaming services into one place to let you see the stuff that you're in the process of watching, new episodes of shows, you know, things like that. And then when you select it, it'll take you back out to uh, to whatever platform it's on. You know, they showed off Hulu, they showed off some HBO Now. You know, they were kind of all over the place in a really good way. Um, it's an interesting idea and one that has been kind of bouncing around for a long time. But uh, it's kind of similar to Can I Stream It, which is an app on all of the platforms where you can put in a, 
a TV show or whatever, and it'll tell you where it is. Is it on Netflix? Is it on Hulu or Amazon? Can you rent it from Redbox? You know, it's kind of got everything on. It's a really good idea. But this gives you the ability to just go out to that thing, and if you're already watching it, it'll let you know, hey, there's a new episode. It's really kind of a cool idea. Of course, the only way that it works is if the big guys are involved. As it turns out, they're not. Um, in particular, there is one brand that was conspicuously missing from the presentation, and that was Netflix. Because Netflix is not supporting Apple's TV initiative. <sighs> so, I'm, I'm, I'm not as excited about Apple's TV initiative as you are. I mean, I, I, I guess there's some sense of you would like to aggregate so you don't have to go and check Oh, if I want to watch, I mean, I've had this experience a lot because I'm a subscriber to both Amazon and Netflix. Uh, so to try and, and some people are subscribers to other things on top of that, like Hulu. Uh-huh. Um, so you know, to go and say like, I have to, you know, if if I'm looking to see if if there's a movie that I want to watch, like maybe it's a classic film or something. Oh, let me see if either of these has it. Almost invariably, they never have anything that I'm looking looking for when I'm looking for it. It's usually stuff that I stumble upon on there that I watch. Sure. So, but, um, you know, I, I get that it would be nice to have some level of aggregation uh, to jump you into the channels. But honestly, um, I mean, that's what people, you know, people use their Roku boxes to navigate from one to the other. You can use, yep. can I stream it or something like that. The ultimate problem that they're trying to solve is not like the real problem is that you usually can't that if you're looking for something particular to watch, it's almost always the case that like it's not on one of these streaming services yeah. unless it's like a dedicated show, like sure. an original show, you know, so. Uh, well, you know, I for, mean, it, for it you in particular, helpful, but not a game changer, I think. I, I, I like the idea of like a of what am I watching dashboard, but you know the only way that it works and the only way that it is ever useful is a if you subscribe to a lot of services, um, and b if those services are on there. And Avram just pointed out exactly the problem. He is subscribed to Netflix and Amazon, and they are the two that are not participating. Yeah, and those are those are probably the main ones. I, I can also understand why Netflix and Amazon wouldn't participate. Like, why make it easy to blur the line between our content and somebody else's? Absolutely. Like, now, from the consumer perspective, I'd like to get it, but like, why why make it easy? Now, in Apple's defense, um, I I'm one of the people in the world who still has cable, right? Um, I do and, too. What were you gonna say? I do too. You know, I I have I have uh, FiOS right now, and and so when I oftentimes I will go and I will use the search function on that, and the search function pulls up whatever is on any channel, including on-demand lists yep. from all the different channels, which can be difficult to navigate because let's say you're looking for a movie. Oh, it might actually be on several different on-demands. Like maybe HBO has it, and Cinemax also has it, or you know what I mean. Like, sure. so it actually is a universal search for everything that is is part of that cable, um, right? You know, service. 
even if you aren't subscribed to it. Like, right. I'm often getting stuff and they're like, oh, I can't actually watch it, but thanks. It's good to know that if I had, if I was subscribed to the channel, I could. So, uh, you know, yeah, that's kind of the, the thing that people expect and, and, and want. But yeah. without the participation, I don't see how it's going anywhere. And yeah, even exactly. with the participation, I don't see it's a game changer. Yeah, I don't see it as a game changer. It's a, it's a minor convenience because yeah. I, I'm subscribed. We'll say I'm subscribed to uh, to Netflix, Amazon, and Hulu, and uh, so do I have content on all of them? Of course I do, but. If I'm watching a show, I know what service it's on. I, I'm not going to forget that, you know, that new episodes of you know, a TV show are going to be on Hulu and not on Netflix. I understand how the television works. I understand how these things are. New episodes go to Hulu. Last season goes to Netflix. I got it. It's... I mean... <laughs> You know, like I'll I'll give a for example where this sort of could come in because I used uh, this happened to me yesterday. Okay. Right. It's it's Halloween time and I wanted to watch some horror movies. Sure. Uh, and I had and it occurred to me that I had never watched the movie Phantasm all the way through or any of the sequels. Have you seen that that one? I don't think I have. Classic classic movie and I never saw it the whole way through. I'm like, oh man, this is your own. I want to see it the whole <laughs> way through. This being an old movie, I'm like, oh, I I wonder if it's on Netflix or it's on Amazon that I'm subscribed to. So I went to so I went to Can I Stream It, which said no, it's not on either of these. You can pay two ninety nine for it on Amazon. Uh, but then Can I Stream It didn't have didn't know that the Sci-Fi Channel had it on their website. So okay. you know, so I watched it there. But 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 you know. Usually, I find that if there's a particular, old, you know, movie that I'm looking for at a particular time, amazingly, it's never on any of the services that I'm subscribed to. Of course not. It's only when you go to the service and you're browsing around, you see, oh, you know what? That's not bad. I'll kind of watch it. Which is why I'm not so so excited to be subscribing to the two services that I am subscribed to. The original shows are really what has gotten me to watch yeah. to, to keep them. Not the, not their um, licensed content. Sure. Um, when it comes to licensed content, if you really want to see something, very often what you have to do is directly rent it. Yeah. Um, you know, Amazon seems to do a good job, have a very rich collection of stuff to rent if you're willing to spend, you know, a couple dollars to to watch it. Sure. But, um, or yeah. you can run to your local 7-Eleven to the Red Box and see if they've got it. That, but, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you know, to pay per specifically to watch something. But, eh, you know, good, good luck to Apple there. But that's yeah. not the innovation that people were expecting from them when they said Apple TV. They were expecting no. them to actually do something innovative with the content themselves. Yes, they were. Boy, were they disappointed. Not be a competitor to can I stream it? Right, exactly. Not Which, just... by the way, does have that information that Apple is not having. Correct, so. correct. Except your personal past viewing habits. That's the only bit that'll be missing. No, but it's not integrated with your account. Right, exactly. But it will tell you what service has it, so you don't have to check them all. Yeah. 
Well, that is our show. Thank you to those of you who uh, joined us live. We appreciate it. And, uh, of course, if you're subscribed, thank you there as well. Um, yeah. Uh, we're, thank you to the chat room for, uh, to, for making a comment about the volume. We're actually having a little bit of a weird problem with the board tonight. Uh, it is The sound is only coming out of one side, so uh, don't know exactly what's going on there. It'll be solved by next week. But anyway, so thank you to those of you in the chat room, including Bob here, who, who made that comment. Um, also, if you're subscribed, thank you for that as well. If you'd like to subscribe to this show and the others, you can go to f5live.tv, click the subscribe buttons on the right-hand side. Uh, from there, you can get all of our content, including the new show that just launched, new product Launchpad, where you can find out about uh, some spotlights on the crowdfunding campaigns. The first one is pretty wonderful. Uh, we're also posting a lot of new reviews this week, a lot of interesting products uh, coming through there. And, uh, <laughs> yes, Bob, your ears are not broken. It is our problem, not yours, I promise. Um, anyway, so uh, lots lots of new product reviews going up, uh, a couple this weekend and then a couple more uh, throughout the week. So definitely check that out as well. Find us on Facebook and Twitter and Google Plus and all those places to find out when we post new content. On behalf of the staff that's not here, I'm Scott. I'm Avery. And we will see you guys back next week. Ciao.